Hello and welcome to our podcast, Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. This is Series 3, Episode 2. I'm Russell and this is my daughter, Rebecca. Hello, Dad. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. So, this last week I gave you, um, for your pleasure of listening this week, mm-hmm. House Martins, mm-hmm. Swing Out Sister, yeah. Mike and the Mechanics, mm-hmm. Bruce Hornsby and the Range, Sly Fox mm-hmm. and B-52s. You did indeed. So, what were your first impressions of those so i was quite surprised because i recognized quite a few songs this week considering i'd never heard of any of these groups um it's been a very upbeat week and i'm still quite liking series three i know we're only on episode two but i'm i'm taking it i like it yeah it started off really really well and i was loving it i was like this is great it went downhill a bit Uh but i say only a bit um there were just a couple of songs that ruined the vibe. Um, and I'm also very intrigued as to whether any of these groups are your cup of tea. Uh, yes, I have a few albums, actually, of these. You can let me know who. It's all CDs. Uh, the House Martins. Okay. And Mike and the Mechanics. Okay. All right. So, yes. And I'm pleased to say this week I've been listening to Lloyd Cohen the Commotions as um, my CD <laughs> that I ordered for them has arrived. And I haven't been disappointed. It is as good as I thought from when we was uh, going through them last week. So, yeah. You're, you're a week behind me then. Anyone you yeah. ordered from this week? Anyone you're going to No, because as I say, I had the ones that I already had, the ones that um, I liked, to be honest. So, yeah, okay. no need. Okay. So, before we move on, how many, if any, number ones? See, I didn't think there were listening, and then I got to the last group, and I feel like the B-52s will have one with either Love Shack or the Flintstones, but I wouldn't, I'm not bothered if they haven't. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You did have a number one. Okay. So we have to see if I'm right. So, yeah. Okay. Well, let's find out where it is and let's talk music. Yes. So, starting with the House Martins. Mm Mm-hmm. So, these, I think, are a new wave pop group. I have a feeling they're from London. I can't remember what gave me that feeling. It was a video I was watching, but I've not written down which video it was that um, kind of gave me the they're from London. There's five in the group, I think I counted, and I quite like that they can change it up like with their song without moving too far from the sound that they've got, as in like they can go a bit slower or they can go more upbeat, more... Um, What's the word? Like, rock, not rocky, but more instrumental. Uh-huh. Um, so I liked that. And I feel like they've got a bit of a memorable voice. 
it goes quite high pitch sometimes. I think they've got like one main vocalist and the songs that you've given me, I feel like there's a song for everyone. No matter what you listen to, I think they can hit everyone there. Um, with their looks, they keep it quite casual. They're quite young um, and their videos are to the point and to do with the song. So, for example, um, me and the farmer, there were tractors, they were on a field, there were cows there. Build, they were literally building a wall um, during it. And Caravan of Love was just, as the song states, celebrating everyone and love. So, yeah, I quite liked how their videos kept it quite simple. Okay. So, you said five members? Yeah. Well, I did say four. I wrote four, and then I saw someone else and was like, oh, there must be five. So there might be four. Okay. So the House Martins were Paul Heaton on vocals, Stan Cullimore on guitar, Ted Key on bass, and Chris Lang on drums. In their early years, they had a few drummers as Chris Lang left. Um, he was replaced by Hugh Whittaker who was from the Gargoyles, same as Ted Key. Um, and then he left to be replaced by Dave Hemingway, who became the band's drummer long term. Okay, so there was only four. Don't know who yes. the random fifth guy was that appeared in a video. So Key left in 1985 and okay. was replaced with Norman Cook. What year did they form? Which, hang on, let me... Finish. Oh, he was okay. replaced by Norman Cook, aka also known as Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim. Really? He was a member of the House Martins. Isn't his type of music, is it? There you go. Wow. So they were formed oh, in 1983 okay. in Hull. England. Okay, so not London. No, north north of London by a fair few miles. By a fair few, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I really yeah. wish I wrote down where I got the London bit from. <laughs> I didn't. But there was something that was like London. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so they are an indie rock jangle pop group. Oh, okay. So I'm a bit far from what I said. Yeah. Not doing well. So they actually refer to themselves as the fourth best band in Hull, behind the Red Guitars, Everything But The Girl, and the Gargoyles, who obviously two of its members actually joined the House Martins, as I explained earlier, Ted Key and Hugh Whittaker, although both were to leave eventually anyway. Um, so the band got their big breakthrough after recording two John Peel sessions. Okay. And releasing their third single, Happy Hour. Um, they also released their debut album, London Nil, Hole 4, um, later that year too. All right. I'm intrigued yeah. as to why it was London Nil, Hole 4. Um, I think they're just saying that Hole were better than London. Well, yeah, but the choice... In a football people. way. Yeah. I guess, as, well, that's how I look at it. Well, um, that's exactly what I thought, but 
I'm just like, why four? But maybe they were thinking they're the fourth best one in the hole, so they went for four. Well, yeah, also that, yeah. Uh, so the the band split in 1988. Okay. But the members remain friends. Oh, so there was and no... And in contact. So unlike oh, okay. others, these actually mm-hmm. did remain. Um, so so both he... T- so, sorry? Would have been a mutual split to actually... Yeah, yeah. I think they just all decided that we've done as well as we can and went on all their own separate ways. So mm. Paul Heaton and Dave Hemingway, they then formed the Beautiful South. Okay. Take Heard of those? Get them. No. Am I going right, to get okay. them later on in the series? You will. Okay. You will indeed. With the, And they formed them with the House Martin roadie, Sean Welch. What's a roadie? Uh, so I'm not 100% sure, but he's someone who I think carries all their stuff, books the gigs and all that. I'm not, But I'm not 100% certain. But they're like, I think not, no, um, was it Noel Gallagher? I think he was a roadie for the... Oh, I can't remember who for. He was a roadie for someone before he, he was Oasis. Okay, so it's kind yeah. of like... So it's um, like a... I guess going you're on... In to... with them, I suppose you get to see yeah. what goes on and, yeah. yeah. Not like a groupie, because that's like a fan. But a yeah, more... no, no, no. They're actually in, involved. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, while Norman Cook, who is commonly now known as Fatboy Slim, formed Beats International. International. Don't recognise that. I only know him as Fat Boy Slim, like on his own. Okay. Um, which also we will discuss later on as well in the series. Okay. Um, however, in December 2014, mm. both Cullimore and former drummer Whitaker yeah. joined Heaton and Jackie Abbott, who was a singer for Beautiful South. Right. Um, on stage during a show in Hull, and they actually closed the show with a performance of Caravan of Love. They also performed Me and the Farmer um, during the the actual show as well. Oh, fair enough. But I guess if they're all going to, if they all still get on, they're able to... Yeah, exactly. and that's what I'm saying. They were in Hull. Obviously, they're still from Hull, I guess. And um, they, two of the former bandmates, um, joined joined those two. Um, on um, I don't know whether Hemingway was still involved with Beautiful South at that time, but he they, it didn't mention that he was there. Now, ironically, this gig was um, at the New Adelphi Club in Hull, obviously, as I say, and it was on the stage where the House Martins actually signed their first record contract with Go Discs. What's that record company? Well, I'm just saying, they, 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 so the Beautiful South, or Paul Heaton and Jackie Abbott from Beautiful South were performing yeah. at right. the New Adelphi Club. Right. Cullimore and Whitaker, ex-members of House Martins, mm-hmm. joined them on stage Sung a few songs. Well, at the end, you know, they, and as I say, they sang two songs of the House Martins. They sang yeah. um, Me and the Farmer, and they ended with Caravan of Love. Yeah. But the stage that they actually performed on was the same stage where way back in 1983, 1985, whenever they signed a contract, 
That's where they signed their first recording deal with Go Discs. Ah, I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah so it's yeah, quite yeah. ironic that they performed, mm. in a sense, they'd gone round in a big circle. Yeah, well, that's quite cool. Yeah. yeah. So the House Martins had two top ten singles. Okay. And they had three top ten albums. Uh, London Nil Hole 4 in 1986 got to number three in the album chart. Okay. The People Who Grinned Themselves to Death, uh, that was released in 1987 and got to number nine in the album chart. And then now that's what I call quite good. It was in 1988 at number eight in the album chart. Okay, so that's not too bad. The Best of the House Martins was released in 2004 wow. and that got that got to number 29 while Soup Cream of Beautiful South and the House Martins which okay. is a good album if you just want to listen to both um I have got that um and it's it's good cuz obviously you get a bit of House Martins and Beautiful yeah. South so it's sort That's of a, like a Paul Heaton album in a sense because yeah. it's both his groups oh, yeah, both his. that was released in 2007 and got to number 15 in the album chart okay so they've not done bad with their albums then did they no, only no. release three albums during the ages? um i only saw three yes okay um and considering the years that they were released and so they yeah 86 which was their although they formed in 83 they didn't really Hit it off until, as I say, they'd done those John well, Paul, that, yeah. John, John Peel sessions in '85. So um, '86 was their debut album, and then '87 and '88. So yeah, because they they um, split in '88. So three albums, three years, three albums, and all in the top ten. Bad going, to be fair. Can't complain right. with that, can you? Yeah. So, do you want to hear where the singles came? Yes, please. So, 1986. So you can see as well they had they had their um, most successful time when Norman Cook had joined. So it just shows. I'm not saying he had a big input, but obviously it does show in a in a way he was quite influential on the group, um, or at least that's how it looks to me. So 1986, Happy Hour, number yeah. three. Ooh, okay. Well, that this was a good start to my week. I yeah, really song. enjoyed it. It's a like it's literally makes you happy. It's a get up and dance song. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I, I thought I recognised it, but I don't know if it's because I've played it a few times now. Uh-huh. Enjoyed that one. Weren't my favourite. It's, it's one that's been for it. it's not it doesn't crop up on 80s compilations really. Um, yeah. it's sort of a forgotten song, but it is I mean it got to number three and it is a good song. So uh so yeah, well, I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, it is a as I say, it is a good song. So yeah, nineteen eighty six again. Think for a minute, number eighteen. Ooh, well, I enjoyed this one, and this is an example of that they can change it up from song to song without moving too far. Like, it didn't change too much in the sound. Yeah, but this one was slowed down compared to Happy Hour. But they, the chorus is still really catchy, and it changed in this, like in the beat for the chorus. So I still enjoyed mm -hmm. that. Mm. Okay, nineteen eighty six, Caravan of Love, number one. Uh, 
oh, okay, I'll take that. That's fine. This is my favourite. And I'm pretty I... sure it was the Christmas number one. Christmas? I'm pretty sure. Something te- Oh, I'm going to have to quickly have a look now because I didn't actually write it down. I am sure, from memory, Caravan and Love was actually the n- Christmas number one. Now... It's not a Christmas song in the slightest. Well, unfortunately, there is the odd few that get through that oh, yeah. right, aren't Christmas number ones. And um, yeah. annoyingly so, however you want to look at it, they 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 um, slip through the net or for whatever reason, because they're so good. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen to Erasure because their Crackers International with Stop, um, yeah. not well, Stop was the, the main lead it single. Was- and isn't Christmas, but they had, did have Christmas others because it was an EP that that only got to number two. So not all of um, non-Christmas songs were successful yeah. in getting to number one. Um, now I might be wrong, but I don't know why I'm thinking they. Um... But while while you're looking, this one was my favourite, which is why I'm so happy they got to number one. Uh, um, okay. I recognise it though. I don't know if it's just a beat I recognise. I don't know. But I feel like it's been in a film or it could be in a film. I don't know. But uh, something about it I recognise. They've got really good harmonies and I just really like the message that it portrays. Like that everyone can literally just love everyone. And I just, I, I think it's amazing. It's a lovely song. So it was a UK number one single in December 1986. So there we go. So now I am. Pretty certain it was Christmas. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I'll yeah, there we go. Oh no, it's did not. No, no, no. Sorry, it was. Um, oh, it was, was funny enough. A non and it was a non-Christmas number uh, song that got to number one as well. It was um, yeah. only you, which we've already had. I was just about to say though, if this was the Christmas number one, wouldn't I have had it when we did the? Uh, yeah. Well, no, because I wouldn't have given you it as it wasn't a Christmas song. Oh, yeah, you only went for Christmas. Yeah. Um, but and only you, which we've had, but it wasn't them that got so only you was by Yazoo. Oh, yeah, yeah. Vince yeah. and Alison Moye. However, it was covered by the Flying Pickets in yeah. 1983, yeah. and that yeah. got to uh, number one. So they got knocked off of the number one for this to be the. The only you to be the Christmas number one. Oh, no, no, no. I'm no, I'm reading that that wrong actually. Only you was from 1983. Um, it was a, only the second Capella recording to do so, whatever. Um, the, the a Capella song was a success reaching number one in the UK Sings Chart on 16th of December 96. Only the second Capella recording to do so. I'm not sure what a Capella is. Um, <laughs> Acapella. A performance by a singer without instrument, out any instruments accompaniments. Yeah, I could have told you that. It's acapella. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sorry. You know oh, the film, I only know what acapella is because you know the film Pitch Perfect? Yeah. That's about acapella. Okay. So that's that they were actually the second group to um, achieve. Right. That after only you in 1983, which was a Christmas number one, um, it was actually Jackie Wilson's Wheat Wheat Petite, 
um, which was a posthumous re-release, -re which um, denied them the Christmas number one. Right, okay. So, yeah, uh, so okay. we've cleared that up. Yeah, but it's still a really good song. Like, out of all the songs this week, oh, like, this one, just, there's something about it that's really, like, I don't know, I feel connected to it in some way. But I think it's the message, the lyrics, the sound, mm -hmm. just, it's a good all-rounder song, to be honest. Yeah. I'll take that as a number one. I didn't think that would be a number one, um, just because of the songs later on that I've already mentioned, Love Shack and Meet the Flintstones, but I will take that over them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 1987, Five Get Overexcited, that got to number 11. Okay. It was repetitive, but it still had their feel-good and catchy um, catchiness to it, so I enjoyed that one too. 1987 still, Me and the Farmer, that got to number 15. All I have to ask is, uh, I really want to know who the farmer is that they're on about. <laughs> the, the, like, the song is just about the farmer. Um, right. It's an upbeat one, though. Like, I did enjoy it. It's another one that I've re-listened to. But uh -huh. I just can't help but think, who is this farmer? Right. Yeah. Uh, 1987, Build, number 15. This one really showed me that they can sing. Like, it's a slowed down one. And then 1988, There Is Always Something There To Remind Me, got to number 35. Okay, so people didn't like that one. I This was my least favourite as well. Yeah, so yeah. maybe that's when they thought... We're not do we're not it's just not connecting yeah. anymore or whatever, you don't know. So um... No, you don't. Um but yeah, it was my least favourite. There was something that just as much as there weren't like I say, all the songs stick with like none of them changed from what sounds they had. Yeah. Um, there was just something about this one. Okay. Moving on then to Swing Out Sister. Yeah. So again, I recognise the song off of this one. I'll let yep. you know what that is when you go through the charts. I've gone for synth pop, new wave. Okay. And what I really like is so it's a female vocalist and she's got a really like a deep voice for a female where it's just it just gives you that something different. And what I also like about her is in the videos, she wears pantsuit so she plays around with the stereotypes like she's not going down I'm a female and going on the like getting the eye catch or whatever that you know there's something that's called to get people to look you know like how women all like you said how women look in videos she's not gone down for that she's just gone this is me and focus on my voice and I like that um their videos are quite simple but when it got to later on with you on my mind they started playing around with the edits a bit more oh, right. doing a bit more with their videos so quite like that um the song i feel like the songs have a deeper meaning and that they sound like they're personal so i have a feeling they've been written by the band members because just the lyrics and everything in them i don't think you'd be able to sing it if you were just, it was written by someone else and you sung it. Do you know what I mean? Um, but the songs, the only thing I had with these is their songs can sound quite similar until they get to the chorus. 
so they have like a similar beating and just like the way it's sung and then the chorus it'll go upbeat and change a bit and that's the memorable bit but you know they were you know not a bad a bad group to listen to so yeah okay so swing out sister are andy connell on keyboards martin mm -hmm. jackson on drums and connie no sorry kareen drury on vocals they oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like they've got a trumpet, but obviously you've just said about who's in the band and there's no trumpet. Mm. But it sounded like there was a trumpet and a light. They may well have had musicians. Oh, like uh, session because, musicians. Yeah, yeah. They, oh, I'm okay. not saying it, but yeah, possibly. Um, okay. They were formed in 1985 in Manchester, England, um, okay. obviously. Um, and they were a pop, sophisty pop, pop rock band is what they were classed as so pop yeah pretty much <laughs> um they were named after an obscure billy burke musical from 1945 called swing out sister okay as it was the only name they all agreed on as in they all hated it believe it or not what they all hated the name it's the only thing they agreed on, as in it wasn't like two against one or one against two, or yeah, I like that, or I don't. And yeah. it was the only one they all agreed on, and they all agreed on it. They hated it, and so therefore they went with it, which because they couldn't agree doing it. But fair enough. At least there's no. At well, least yeah. it's what some other people can do and be like. I can't remember the woman's name. Karina. Is that her name? Karine. Yeah, like like it's like the ones that do. I mean, that we've got later, Mike and the Mechanics, or Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Like they didn't put her at the front; yeah. they actually chose a name. So yeah, it's one way of doing it. But at least they didn't go yeah. for something simple. The band signed to Phonogram Records. I think that's how you say it. In late nineteen eighty seven. Uh, sorry, and in late 1987, their single Breakout reached the, uh, number six on the Billboard Hot 100 chart in the US. Oh, so they hit in America quite quickly then? Yes. Wow. Oh, boy, then. Uh, consequently, they got nominated for two Grammy Awards in 1988, Best New Artist and Best Pop Vocal. Uh, well, the best vocal, yeah. I really like her voice. It's just yeah. that bit different. I mean, obviously, they didn't win. They just got nominated, but they did get nominated. Oh. Well, she should have won. Oh. I like her voice. The group have been active since their formation. They have released 11 studio albums, believe it or not. Wow. Um, over four decades. Um, so the 80s, the 90s, the noughties and the 2010s. Uh, with their last album released in 2017. Okay, so they've never broken up. They're like still No, going. no. I mean, they're not a... Um, I mean, I'd have never known they were still going or anything like that. But, but like um, they're out there. It's more, but, I guess, if your fans are still with you and they're following, they're releasing for yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, they had two top 10 singles two top 10 albums 
So It's Better to Travel in 1987 was number one in the album chart. Oh, wow. Look at them. And then Kaleidoscope World in 1989 got to number nine in the album chart. Fair enough. So um, very, um, oh, what's the word? Very successful um, as far as their albums go. Although when you think they've only had two top ten albums, although they've had a number, they've two top ten and one was number one, but they've actually released 11 albums altogether. So that sort of shows you, obviously, they're still releasing music. They've obviously, I'm guessing they've still got a big cult following, but they're not, they're not in the um, mainstream anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, if you're pleasing your fans, you need to please. So, so we, we know they haven't got a number one because there was only one this week, and you've yeah. already had that. Yeah. So we shall see where, how well they did do. Mm. So nineteen two top tens. They had two top ten singles. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Any guess on what they are? Was you breakout and am I the same girl? Okay. Nineteen eighty six breakout got to number four. Mm. I recognise that one. Yeah, it's yeah. probably their main. Yeah, they're better. Yeah, it's got a good beat in its sing along, you know, it's right up. Yeah, 1987 Surrender Mm. number seven. Oh, so they're their top two, their first two singles, or at least their first two top 40 singles were Mm -hmm. both um, top 10. Okay, well, Surrender, it weren't. It weren't like a dancey song. It weren't an in the background song. It's uh-huh. like you just can't help but focus on it. Like yeah. you just sit and listen to it. Like it's like you zone. I zoned out, listened to it, but zoned out from the world around me, not from the song. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a nice song to listen to. Fine. Nineteen eighty-seven, Twilight World, number thirty-two. Okay, this didn't have body to it, but it was a nice head bopper. Also 1987, Fooled by a Smile. Um, that was just outside the top 40, but I gave you it just as obviously because it was only just out. And just to give you a few more songs, so we're getting to that point now where there's not as many 80s anyway. Uh, that got to number 43. Okay, I think that was my least favourite out of these ones. Yeah, so. The saves it, though. Got a nice chorus, but it weren't uh-huh. enough there with the rest of them. Yeah. 1989, You On My Mind, number 28. This one, I thought, I think it's quite relatable with the lyrics. I feel like you can sit there and uh-huh. be like, yeah, I'm feeling this. And I feel like you could listen to it when you're in the same feeling as what the lyrics are about. And there's a you, there's some background singers, and I like the use of them, like repeating it. and. Yeah, they just brought something extra to it that the other songs hadn't had. Uh-huh. 1989, Where in the World, also outside the top 40, number 47. Okay, see, I'm agreeing with these out of the top 40 ones. Like you had Ford Bar Smile, that I said was my least favourite. And then there's yeah. this one. It's got a male vocalist in it, only like for certain little bits. But they uh-huh. more of a background song apart from the chorus. 
And you know, like I said before, that these songs can kind of all sound the same until it gets to the chorus. This is kind yeah. of what I mean. The chorus is saving these ones. So yeah, I kind of agree with that chart place. I might put it a bit higher, but yeah, mm -hmm. I kind of agree. Okay. So now the one you thought would be their other two, their other um, top ten hit. Well, it's actually from 1992, so we're out of the 80s on this now. Um, okay. Am I the same girl? And it got to number 21. Now, obviously, I suppose their music now is up against totally different music mm, for really one, and also they're now classed as a you know they're an eighties band, but they're now we're now into the nineties, and it is, it is weird how when you go into a new decade, you just seem to get you'll get the the few crossovers, but all mm. the few that have just got the longevity, but on the main, it's like they all you have an eighties decade you have a 90s decade yeah. 70s and it's Not just many yeah go so it. um and yeah. this you know i mean admittedly their their um singles after their first two haven't been that high anyway yeah. um but as you say you obviously liked it and you thought it was a top 10 hit and yeah, yeah number 21 well this was my favorite there you I go really enjoyed this one you know it makes you feel good it's a sing-along the back the beats in the background are really it's just an all-round good song like it's right up my mm. street so i would put it way higher ah. mm. um 1994 la la means i love you number 37 well i enjoyed that one as well i watched the video for this one and i was shocked because her hair was like up to where it like she had it well short and all I could relate it to to give an imagery is if you've seen the most recent Willy Wonka and his hair's really short um that's what her hair looked like but in this video it's long I was like who's that because I feel like her hair was like part of her image but yeah um but this we've gone on to a different decade yeah different now hairstyles <laughs> yeah Reimage yourself, but no, this this was good. It was a nice sway to it, nice yeah. slow one, but not too slow. Liked it. Okay, catchy. Good. Well, I'm quite positive after the house minds and swing out sister. So um, we shall, we shall um, we right. shall carry on to Mike and the mechanics. Yeah, I've gone straight in. I think these are rock, like just some sort of rock. They could be something. But there's a there. Um, this is another one where, as they go on, the songs don't change too much. But has a mixture of sounds again, of yeah, like more upbeat and your slower ones. Um, this is the type of rock that I like, you know, nice and soft. Uh, and the first song though, the video, so silent running, has a creepy start, and I feel like it's like got some link to. A film, maybe Poltergeist, there was a clown thing in there, weird doll, it was weird, it was creepy, and it was horrible to the videos as I'm writing my notes to listen to it through headphones. Oh, it was horrible when it started, I was like, what is going on? Um, but I also think it has a futuristic tone throughout the video, um, mm. and then I thought it sounded a bit futuristic as well, but the actual people. Because they're a bit older, and I don't know how to explain they just look like they've been put together from jam sessions in their garage. Oh, right. Like, okay. oh, we're mates. We want to make, we're, we've been playing in our garage. Let's try and make it in the 
in the charts and they obviously did but that's what they look like they look they have that rugged look yeah okay so mike and the mechanics were mike rutherford on bass paul carrick on vocals adrian lee on keyboards paul young on vocals and peter van hook on drums they were formed in 1985 in Dover, Kent, and they are a soft rock, pop rock band. So you're right, rock. Uh, they were known as a supergroup. Oh, where have they come from now? So, which was a side project of Mike Rutherford from Genesis. So the group with Phil Collins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he put it together when they, when obviously Phil Collins went off and done his solo bits and that. Um, and then he got together with Paul Carrick of Roxy Music and Squeeze. Yeah. Okay. Paul Young of Sad Cafe. Not had that one. And Adrian Lee, who had played keyboards and guitar for Cliff Richard, amongst others, on tour. So he's like a, a touring musician. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Peter Van Hook who had also drummed for Van Morrison's band. Okay. So hence they were known as a supergroup because they were the, the members were more known for other for their other groups and then they'd come together. Um so yeah. So Rutherford formed the group while Genesis won a hit hiat, uh, hiatus. Right. Um, and Rutherford pursued a solo career like bandmate Phil Collins. However, he found the process of recording a solo album excessively difficult and the results unsatisfying. So he much preferred being in a, in a band than, than solo. I suppose it depends on each, every one, you know, different things. So after he'd released two studio albums or recorded two studio albums, he realised he was more creative and inspired when other people were around to bounce ideas off. So he was better in a group of people um, and I suppose something that he might have been passionate about, they, they could have probably said, actually, I'm not too sure on that, blah, blah, you know, whatever. Whereas I suppose when you're on your own, you just go with it, whether it's a bad idea or not, which yeah. you know, sometimes works. Yeah. Um, although, obviously, as we found out in previous ones, groups mean that you can fall out over things as well. So exactly. it, I suppose being a soloist as its really positives and negatives, just like anything else, really, which yeah. you don't really think of um so yeah so um he formed mike and the mechanics and um it was through his co-writer b.a robertson and producer christopher neil that they then got the group to the, the others together so obviously he was already working with a producer and as i say his co-writer from right. being a soloist obviously get come you know spoke to them about the idea and that and then they looked at who, what musicians to to get involved yes. and and do yeah, um, and I guess it yeah. helps as well once you're with doing it this way with getting people who have been known from somewhere else. You yeah, know what you know their standard. You know what they're like. Whereas you, if you get someone brand new off the street or a mate, you're taking that risk. Yeah, you don't know how they're gonna be, how good they're gonna be. Whereas these musicians have already made it in a sense, haven't they? So exactly, they're doing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so The Living Years was actually written by Rutherford and Robertson um, after both their fathers had recently died. 
So the lyrics were solely written by Robertson um, and centred on his own unresolved dissension between him and his father. So um, he obviously wrote the lyrics and Rutherford wrote the music. And that's obviously how they worked with regards to his solo career. Um, so the song was sung by Carrick rather than Young uh, due to the fact that Carrick had an emotional attachment to the song, having lost his own father when he was just 11 years old. So there's quite a lot of sentimental mm-hmm. behind the song from the writing, the music and even the singing of it, that yeah. they all, um, had a play of power. I suppose, had a big emotional attachment to it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, but not been in love with it, but got the, the lyrics and the song of, for what it was. And they all, you know, um, as I say, they all emotionally were attached to, to that, to, to it. And obviously, I think that's why it comes across so well. I mean, I'll be honest, I've bought it on single. And as I say, I've got their, their oh, album. Really? So, no, 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 back when oh, it was released. Right, okay. So, yeah. So the single reached number one in the US. Okay. So obviously we know it wasn't number one over here, unfortunately. However, it was number one in the US. Should have been, for me, a number one over here, but it wasn't. Um, following the single, Carrick began to take a much larger role in the band and he joined the song. He joined more involved. He got more involved in the songwriting. Okay. And also he then added, started adding keyboards more to, to the music, whereas they were just sort of, I suppose, in the... I mean, they've had a keyboard player, but it wasn't a main thing. Now, it, yeah. I suppose, even though they're at the end of the 80s and we know that synthesising keyboards were more at the beginning, he brought keyboards in more into the music. Fair enough. Um, Carrick has been described in Record Collector, which is a publish, magazine publish. Right. You know, like Smash Hits and that, but I think yeah, it was a more yeah. upper-class one. Um, So he was described as if vocal talent equaled financial success, Paul Carrick would be a bigger name than legends such as Phil Collins and Elton John. Oh, wow. What a high praise from um, Mm -hmm. whoever wrote that article for the record collector back then. Yeah. Um, The band ended up staying together for a decade before both Lee and Van Hook dropped out in 1995 um, and were not replaced. So they carried on without those. Because um, okay. as I say, Carrick is now, he can, he's, he's obviously picked up the keyboard and that. Yeah. So he, he, it was quite easy for him to take over. And I suppose with a keyboard or synthesizer, you can have a drum machine on there. So you don't necessarily need a drummer unless you're going live. As far as a studio goes, probably don't need a, you don't really need a drummer. Um, and then um, yeah, uh, Paul Young, he di- he died in 2000. Oh. Uh, so Carrick became the lead vocalist. So although he'd taken on singing a bit more since the yeah. living years, Young was still in the group and was obviously considered the main yeah. vocalist. Yeah. He unfortunately passed away in 2000. So Carrick took over that. Now, bearing in mind, the other two have left. So we've now only got Rutherford and Carrick in the group. Sure. So, um, they were really in, in 2004, so bear in mind it was 2000 that Paul Young passed away. 
So another four years, the band dissolved with both Rutherford and Carrick um, separately um, saying that the band had run its course. However... Before then? Well, you'd have thought so, but they obviously um, carried on with it. I think then as well, though, Genesis hadn't come back. Obviously, Phil Collins become successful with his solo career. And I, I think um, Carrick had... By that time, Roxy Music and Squeeze had not so much Squeeze, they were still going. Yeah. But Roxy Music, I think, had split in that by then as well. So they didn't really have much else other than Mike and the Mechanics, unless they were going to go off and start all over again. Um, however, in 2010, Rutherford revived the group with a completely new set of musicians. He's really not giving up, is he? No. So. They had three top 20 singles and four top 10 albums plus a compilation album. So five albums in the top 10. So The Living Years in 1988 got to number two in the album chart. Beggar on a Beach of Gold was released in 1995 and that got to number nine in the album chart. Hits, so the compilation, that was released in 1996, and that got to number three. Wow. Let Me Fly was released in 2017. So this is now with the new, so this is Mike and the Mechanics with just Mike from the original ones. He's, yeah. This is now the complete new one. That got to number nine in, twenty, as I say, in 2017. And then Out of the Blue in 2019. Now, bear in mind, we're talking... Three decades, four decades on from when they first were around, got to number seven in the album chart. Wow. So, again, I suppose it's Mike Rutherford is is quite um, because, I mean, people say talk of Genesis and their talk. Obviously, originally Peter Gabriel, who obviously left to be a soloist um, and obviously had a big hit with Kate Bush, funny enough, who's in the news, in the you know, been just been number one herself. Still is number one, so there you go. So, well, Peter Gabriel, he um, sang a song with her, which was, I think that was quite successful, might have been number one then, that that was. But he went on to be a soloist. Phil Collins, who was the drummer, took over the vocals, and then he obviously went on to be a soloist himself. Yeah. Um, and so they're the two that most people think about with Genesis. I don't think of Mike Rutherford. And yet Mike Rutherford is quite, you know, when you think of what he'd done, he obviously was with Genesis, and then he's done the same with Mike and mm-hmm. the Mechanics. And he's done it with two separate, you know, first of all, as a super group, and then he's redone it again. And at a time when that sort of music certainly isn't mainstream. So, um, yeah, yeah, a very um, influential person as far as the music industry, or at least as, you know, as far as Genesis and obviously Mike and Mechanics go. Yeah. So, on to their singles then. Yep, let's go. 1986, Silent Running on Dangerous Ground. That got to number 21. Well, this had a nice beat and was very easy listening when you take it away from a video. When I've listened to it, you know, as I do on my way to work, that was nice. Don't watch the video if you want something creepy in your ear. But yeah, I like the beat and it's easy listening. Okay. 1986 still. All I Need Is a Miracle, 
number 53. Really? Unbelievable, isn't it? Because it is I a good song. This one, yeah. yeah. It's not a favourite out of the ones I've listened to. This was a near favourite. Uh-huh. But it's different to the first one. It's yeah. more up my street. Yeah. Um, it's got a bit of a long intro, which uh-huh. I think really put rock in the foundation for me. Um, but it got me moving. Like it just had that little bit. Something yeah, no, that's my favourite. Oh, well, other than the Living Years, but that's a totally yeah. different song. That's but yeah, I, I all I need is a miracle. It's really good. However, mm-hmm. now the reason you got it, it was re-released in 1996 okay. where it reached number 27 which i think is still low but considering yeah. it was a song from the 80s that's quite mm. good but it's, a, it, it's still a fact that that song has not even got inside the top 20 is quite yeah i, I feel you know it wasn't until i was doing this i if you'd asked me what the two main hits of mike and the mechanics are i'd Me definitely too. have said the living years and um all i need is a miracle yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah over oh, my shoulder, I suppose, yeah. but they're the two I remember. And yet, I'm sh- I was shocked when I thought, all I need is a miracle number 53. I thought, well, that must have surely been re released, you know? But no, yeah, it was, but in 1996. Wow. So, yeah. Well, I agree. I feel like it's been robbed. Yeah, definitely. 1989, which I think is one of those that, oh, yeah, I mean, it's certainly good, but I do Mm. think it should have been a number one. It's a bit like Ultravox and Vienna moment where a song that deserves to be number one, really. I I, I didn't look up who who got to number one, um, unfortunately, and I've tried since, and um, where I get my information from, I can't, for some reason, it's not loading up. Um, So um, I can't actually get it. but. I don't. I don't know who was who. Uh, obviously, beat it, it to number good. one. So, uh, Hopefully, it was something really good. Be your oh, yeah. Um, well, I thought I liked the lyrics, and now you've explained what the lyrics were about. I like it even yeah. more. Uh-huh. It's got a gradual beat change in it, so it starts off quite slow, and then it gets more into it as it goes along. The only thing that I couldn't cope with was it was quite choir-like. Right. Like the way it was sung. So, hmm. like the way it was sung, but I did enjoy the lyrics, and now I like it even more because of what you said it's about. Yeah, it. yeah, just sounded too choiry, like a church. Okay. So, now we're going into the 90s. So, 1991, World yeah. of Mouth got to number 13. That was my favorite. Ah. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, that's another good one, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. It's straight in with a good beat. It's not got a long intro, but it has got something there. I recognise it slightly, uh-huh. but I don't know where from. And I don't know, there's something about it that makes you just want to sing it and shout it from the rooftops. I don't know, it's just got that something in it that makes you really want to shout it out and, like, be there with them while they're singing it. I don't know. I think it'd be a really good one song live. Uh-huh. Okay. Going to obviously stand in the 90s, uh, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. 1995, Over My Shoulder, yeah. number 12. Oh, that's not bad. I enjoyed this one as well. It's a nice sing-along one. And they, there's a whistling 
part in it. Uh-huh. I don't know, it's like it's a instrumental but with a whistle. And I really enjoyed that bit. I was like, oh, you're doing something different here. Uh, 1995 still, A Beggar on a Beach of Gold. Number 33. Now, bearing in mind, I've already said that that album actually got to number yeah. nine. Um, obviously, people prefer to buy it because I suppose we're going into that, that situation now where um, people who would buy Mike and the Mechanics would buy an album rather than download a, a song, which is probably yeah. where you were, we were heading to. Not in the 90s. No? Uh-uh. Downloading okay. is like a recent thing. I think when me and Scott were younger, we were still fully in CDs and DVDs. Yeah, okay. Blu-ray weren't even out yet. Oh, okay. I was just weird that their albums are selling better than, really than the singles, but it could yeah. be just people would prefer so to buy an album than a single. So much of the music as well. Yeah. yeah. Maybe the albums were bigger and singles yeah. went out, and that's maybe why it changed to downloads. I don't know. But yeah, poss- possibly. A Beggar on a Beach of Gold was a bit too slow for me. There weren't much to it. It might have even just been the song, you know. The album uh-huh. might have been better than the actual song. Okay. And then lastly, in 1999, Now That You've Gone, number 35. What year did you say that was? 99? 99, yes. Yeah. You can tell that there's a jump in the years. It's more of a song. Like, they uh-huh. sound older. In the video, they look a lot more older. It's, you know, got that clubbiness to it as... Yeah, more in it. I knew that I had a feeling that one out of all the songs was in the 90s because of the change in sound that they had. Okay. So, moving on to Bruce Hornsby and the range. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, there's been weeks where I've gone, oh, this one sounds a bit country western. Yeah. If these aren't country western, <laughs> I give up. On the country western. Don't know what that sounds like then, because I'm telling you, these are some sort of country western group. But I've got a question. I was searching for a song, can't tell you what one it was. I can't remember. But to watch the video, and it came up just Bruce Hornby on the one that I um, clicked. But there was one underneath it that said Bruce Hornsby and the North. So was there ever a change in the name? Not that I'm aware of, no. However, Bruce Hornsby did, he did, um, he went off and created other, and obviously went with, because when I when I looked up Bruce Hornsby, because I've done Bruce Hornsby in the range, it just come up Bruce Hornsby, and it said yeah. um, he had different, like, periods. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't take much note of the other ones. They weren't yeah. successful over here, as you'll find out when we talk about Bruce Hornsby in the range. Um yeah. It was mainly Bruce Hornsby in the range as far as England went, which gives you a clue that he's not English. And um, more, more, I mean, they were literally just famous for one song, really, that made it big. And then they sold the album and on the back of that one song. But um, yeah, there was other, I think there was another two where he's obviously gone off and, you know, gone and, and, um, yeah, so, um, but, they were obviously just mainly American-based and um, Bruce Hornsby in the range. Okay. Well, the band's Bruce Hornsby in the range were quite a yeah. mellow band, focus on his voice, 
there's a piano that they use, which I don't think we've really had before. Like we've had the keyboard, but we've not had a piano. If you turn yeah. a piano player, I'll be annoyed. Yeah. Um, it really is all about Bruce, though. Like it's a main focus on him and his vocals. But I do really like his voice. As time went on, they changed from their mellow to a bit more upbeat. So uh-huh. I wondered whether there was a slight change in their sound or genre. You know, like we had with um. Who was it? Duran Duran or Spandau Ballet? Spandau Ballet. Like, Spandau changed. Ballet changed, yes. On. I wonder whether these did it, but only slightly. And nothing really stands out from their videos or the way they look. They keep it quite simple, their casual clothing. Quite a few of the videos that I've watched were just like live performances. So Bruce Hornsby in the range are obviously Bruce Hornsby on mm-hmm. vocals. Yeah. David Mansfield on guitar, mandolin, violin. George Marinelli on guitar, Joe Puerta Pu- 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 on bass, and John Molo on drums. They were formed in 1984 in Los Angeles, California, and they are a soft rock pop rock band. Where, like, where are the country people at? Because I, my brain obviously wants them. This sounds like country western. They've even got a song called On the Western Skyline. I was like, yes, I've got it. Is it? No, give up. So Bruce Hornsby moved to LA with his younger brother, John, where they co-wrote songs for 20th Century Fox and spent time as session musicians. However, in 1982, Bruce joined the band Ambrosia. um, And after Ambrosia disbanded, he and bassist Joe Puerta, Puerta, uh, P-U-E-R-T-A, they performed as members of Sheena Easton's touring band. Okay, so he's taken his time to get anywhere. Yeah. Then in 1984, Hornsby formed Bruce Hornsby and the Range. Um, So we've obviously got some musicians together and they they became the range um, and they signed to rca records their biggest hit the way it is uh which reached number one on the u.s billboard hot 100 in december 1986 was written by bruce to describe homelessness um the american civil war rights movement and institutional institutional racism so bear in mind uh, the way it is so yeah so bear in mind what's going on in America at the moment Um, and this is he wrote that in 1984 for literally about the same thing that we're talking about now Yeah. Um, so yeah Uh, the single has been sampled by at least six rap artists including Tupac E40 and Mace or Maze, M A S E. I was going to say about it being sampled by Tupac because as soon as I had the way it is play, the first, like, not beat, melody, whatever it is, sound, Uh music, I was like, I know this song. Uh Looked it up and it's Tupac. And I, yeah, so I knew about Tupac. Didn't know about the others though, but I listened to Tupac. So, Mm. okay. Uh, the album, The Way It Is, received multi-platinum certification 
and spurned another top five hit with Mandolin Rain, uh, which Bruce co-wrote with his brother John. So in other words, obviously when they first were together, they co-wrote, as I said, for Trinity of Century Fox. And he actually co-wrote that song with him as well. Uh, the sound of um, now. Now this is interesting, Venom. On what you've said about um, the country and western side of it. So, oh, the wow. sound of Bruce Horns being arranged was distinctive for its variety of rhythms through the piano sound, with the use of synthesizers in the background, which was obviously very different from what '80s music was. Yeah. Both Marinelli and Peruto, who provided backing vocals, that that they. Um, so it helped the vocals of the like the backing vocals of obviously Hornsby plus the backing vocals of Marinelli and Puerto. Yeah. And the sound, which was labelled by many as the Virginia sound, which is where they all originally, or at least Hornsby came from before he moved to LA and what have you, um, a mix yeah. of rock and jazz. Okay, yeah. Do you know what? Yeah, I say country a lot for jazzy, don't I? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I see that. And obviously they also had the mandolin, the violin, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And obviously, as I say, piano and that. So, um, so yeah, so rather, so I suppose with 80s music and the electronic, you know, the bass and the synthesizers and keyboard and what have you, they done it the other way around. So they had the piano and that as the main or went back in time they still had the synthesizers but they had it as as background so as it says you know as i say the the vocals of hornsby plus the backing vocals of um marinelli and perto came out more across i suppose because the synthesizer sound the electronic sound was in the background rather than at the front with them or whatever so um it was more distinctive so yeah which is maybe why you you looked at it as more country and western i suppose it would yeah. have had a coming from america it would have had a bit of probably a that sound anyway I yeah. Suppose. yeah so um the band won the grammy award for best new artist okay. in 1987 beating the likes of simply red mm -hmm. new shoes glass tiger and timbuk three the band disbanded in 1991. Oh, so they didn't last that long then, did they? Uh, well, they lasted, they formed in, what, 1984? Yeah. So they went through the 80s, but they were bigger in America than over here. Um, so they had, as far as over here, one top 20 single, two top 20 albums, so The Way It Is was released in 1986. That got to number 16 in the album chart. Not bad. And Scenes from the South Side was released in 1988 and got to number 18 in the album chart. Mm -hmm. Now, on to their singles. Yeah. Now, it's a, it's a weird one, these. Um, I mean, I like Bruce Hornsby in the range. And actually, I forgot I've got their album as well, or at least okay. The Way It Is. I do like them. They are, as you say, different, mm -hmm. but it's, you know, it's nice. And I did like the way it is. I, I always liked. Um, now, you've got quite a few songs in. We go through them, but I've given you them because they were big in America right. rather than over here. Not necessarily. I'll explain it as I go through them all. So okay. 
1986, which is the song that I suppose made them an international group, um, got them notice outside of the US. Um, so 1986, The Way It Is, got to number 15 in the UK chart. Ben and got to number one in the US. I mean, it's not bad. Um, and I don't know if it's because I grew up and have listened to Pat Bub, the two Pat version. Like yeah. this one's just a bit more mellow than yeah. the version that I'm used to. So maybe if I went in blind and hadn't heard any yeah. sample from it, I might be different. But no, I prefer the two pack version. But it is nice, and you know the music that they've got. It, you know, it's memorable and stands yeah. out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Nineteen eighty-six on the Western Skyline. From the album, the way it is, uh-huh. was not released in the UK. Okay. However, I gave you it because, as I say, it is on the album. Um, and just to give you some more songs, and as I say, because they're American, not all songs get released over here. Same yeah. as not all English bands get released, songs get released over there. But it did get to number six on the US mainstream rock chart. Okay. Which is quite, you know, I mean, we always say how to get in the US billboard. Now, I don't know what the difference between the billboard and the mainstream rock chart is, but um, I would still say it's a big thing to get at least a top 10 on that yeah. chart. Yeah, probably. So. And here's me with my note on it going, got a country sound to it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I like the chorus of it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the song. Yeah. It is a good song, but my brain is yeah. obviously like, Dad, give me a country song. Don't even listen to country music as a standard in my life. Okay, 1987, Mandolin Rain. Got to number 70 over here. However, over in the US, it got to number four on the Billboard Hot 100. And it got to number two on the US mainstream rock chart. So it's a massive hit. Over in America, over here, here, it didn't even get in. The, well, it got in the top 100, but it didn't even get in the top 50, no. number 70. Well, so, yeah, I so it just shows you the difference again. Definitely. They're all, like, they are an American band, yeah. basically. Um, I thought it had, like, the same tone all the way through it. I feel like it needed more an upbeatness to it, something, you know, a bit more oomph. Mm-hmm. Okay. 1987, Every Little Kiss was not released in the UK. However, it got to number 14 on the US Billboard Hot 100. And it got to number 18 in the mainstream rock. Now, that was in 1986. So it was released. It got to the Billboard US in 87 at number 14. But it got in, it, obviously, it was released first or made it, made it, it, it made its name or whatever in the mainstream rock. It got to number 18, but that was in 1986. So, yeah, so I don't know if that was the end of 1986 and then it slowly yeah. got into the ch- billboard chart and chart. obviously 1987 got to number 14. So, so, yeah. But I just thought it was more of a love song compared to what they've had already, you know, just uh-huh. in a mixture of what they're singing about. It weren't an yeah. up there one for me, to be honest. Okay. 1988, The Valley Road. Got to number 44 in the UK charts. So just outside the top 40, but they'd probably take that, bearing in mind our mandolin rain done over here. Um, Now in in the US, it got to number five on the Billboard 100. 
-hmm. It got to number one on the US mainstream rock. Now, that's interesting because Mandolin Rain got to number two on the US mainstream yeah. rock, but only got to, and got to number four on the billboard. I this one got to number five billboard. on the billboard, mm -hmm. but number one on the mainstream rock. So it just shows yeah. you. Yeah, but, yeah over here. Those, well, I just thought it was a feel-good song. It was nearly, it's probably like my second favourite of um, the ones I've had for these. Uh -huh. 1988, Look Out Any Window, got to number 88 in the UK chart. Okay. Whoa. In the US, it got to number 35 on the Billboard Top 100, which... You know, and we, you know, we both say, you know, if you get a, a, a top 100 hit in the US, it's it's classed it's as a success. Yeah, well, of so far, you know, Bruce Hornsby and the range have had, what, one, two, three. This is their fourth Billboard. Well, no, fifth, because the way it is got to number one. So their yeah. fifth Billboard Hot 100 charting hit. Um, yeah. And it got to number five in the US mainstream rock chart. Okay, well, this was my favourite. Yeah. I liked it. It's got a good beat to it, gets you moving. It's got a bit of a longer intro, which usually I don't like, but it really works with the song and how they go into it from the intro, and it carries yeah. on. So, yeah, I liked this one. Okay. 1990, Across the River, number 85 in the UK. However, in the US... Number 18 on the Billboard Hot 100. Number one on the US Mainstream Rock Chart. So that's well. now their second number one on the US Mainstream Rock Chart. Mm, they're doing well. Well, this one was a bit too repetitive. I'm not a big one on just repeating your lyrics. But it did get me moving. It's quite upbeat. You know, it weren't a bad one. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. Okay. And then lastly, 1990, A Night on the Town was not released in the UK, probably after the last two got to 88 and 85. Um, I mean, it just amazes me. It got in the top 100 billboard and number one on the US mainstream rock and number 85 over here. That, yeah. So, yeah, so A Night on the Town wasn't released over here. However, in the US, it got to number four on the mainstream rock chart. Okay, well, it got my head bopping, but it wasn't the best song. No. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, like an album filler in that term, uh -huh. in a sense. So, yeah. So, uh, there you are saying country and western, and they're pretty much, well, every single um, was a hit on the mainstream rock chart in the US. Yeah, they're not country western at all, are they? <laughs> so. A very successful American band in America, not yeah. so much outside of um, America. Um, so we move on to Sly Fox. Yeah. So I've got no idea on the genre, but it doesn't help. I just didn't get to listen to any more because you only gave me one song. Uh, I didn't have time to listen to uh, any others, which I usually would. Um, so... Who knows if uh, it would have changed my opinion, whether the songs would have been different, whether it gives me more of a look on what genre they were. But yeah, I can't tell you what genre they are. Um, okay. I think they're a duo because I watched a video for Let's Go All The Way. And the way they look, they look like they fit into the early 80s with the style they've got. But they're obviously not, so in Series 3. 
yeah. but yeah, you know, there's not much to say about them apart from cool. that. Yeah, I think these are American. Okay. So, Sly Fox were Gary Mudbone Cooper and Michael Camacho. Camacho. They were formed in 1985 in Cincinnati, Ohio, and they are a dance pop new wave band. Did you just try and say Ohio and it came out like Hawaii? Yeah, I did, yeah. Okay, I was like, where are these? You knew what I meant. Well, yeah, but I wanted to check that we're in a new place called Hawaii. Yeah, I've just created Hawaii. it. Yeah, apparently, you know, cross between Ohio and Hawaii. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, okay. Carry on. Thanks for that. All right. So, yeah, so um, the duo were assembled by producer Ted Currier and presented as clean living teen idols. The group's touring band was Cooper's former band, Bootsy's Rubber Band, which was Frank Hash Waddy on drums. Joel Razor Sharp Johnson on keyboards, right. Philip Cornett on guitar and bass, and Troy Tipton on guitar, which obviously is hence why it was Gary Mudbone Cooper. They obviously all had their nicknames mm. when um, they were in that group. Their sole album, Let's Go All The Way, uh, was released by Capitol Records in December '85 with the lead single of the same title becoming a top 10 hit in the US, number seven on the Billboard pop chart. Okay. Do you know what I've noticed this week? Yeah. A lot of the songs are from a self-titled album. Yeah, self-titled album. Yeah. Yeah, The Way It Is, The Living Years, uh, The Beggar on a Beach of Gold. Yeah. 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 So there are three follow-up singles, Come To T Llama, Stay True, and Don't Play With Fire, were um, all flops, I suppose. They sold poorly, but yeah, they were flops. So um, the group disbanded in 1988. So they literally are a one-hit wonder. Oh, so all sense of the name. Yeah, although they did have an album and they did have three other singles, they are pretty much mainly known as for Let's Go All The Way. Okay. What was their last single that they released? Um, The last one was uh, Don't Play With Fire. Okay. I'm going to listen to them. Okay. Just because usually when it's a one song, I do try and listen to more. So, so you, you, oh, I was wondering. I was wondering if you had, and you was going to say if you'd no, listened to those. No, I said that I didn't get to listen to. Them Sorry. Again. Okay. So yeah, there was. Was it Como or Come? My right, and I think it's Como actually. Como to T Llama. Okay. Stay true and don't play with fire. Yeah, okay. I'll give them a listen. I'll let you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they briefly reformed in 1989, so a year or so, or, yeah, a year or under from when they, depend on when they reformed in, nine, I mean, they could have split in December 1988, reformed in January 1989, for all I know, but they they split in 88 or disbanded, but reformed in 1989. 
um, with the duo recording four new songs, um, including Cooper's There's No Place Like Home. However, the previously unsettled artistic differences, here we go again, uh, between Cooper and Camacho arose and they abruptly separated again, oh. with Camacho, a protege of David Bowie, heading to L.A. to embark on a film career. Oh, While so Cooper remained in the music business um, with his most recent solo album in 2006, Fresh Mud, which was a collaboration with Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics and the Tourists. Hmm. So, yes. Okay. Um, and they combined blues and rap. Sly Fox or the ones that you were just talking about? Oh, oh, his his solo album. I was going to say. Yeah, no, his solo um, album, which yeah. was done with Dave Stewart yeah, from, as I say, Eurythmics, and yeah. um, the, 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 the album combined blues and rap music. I was going to yeah. say. Cooper now owns a well-known jazz lounge bar in New York City and has formed a funk band called The Funky Foxes. So he obviously likes foxes, it. Sly yeah. Fox. Funky Foxes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they had one top 10 single. The album didn't even sell over here. They had oh. one top 10 single. That's it. So, 1986, Let's Go All The Way, got to number three in the UK singles chart. That got to number three. It got to number three. Okay. Well, there weren't much body to it. No, I like it. That's what I mean. Like, Let's go all the way. No, there weren't much else. Let's go all the way. Oh, no. let's go all the way. No. Uh -uh. Admittedly, they just sing Let's Go All the Way. That's what I mean. With a bit of in it. But yeah. Basically, and which is why there's not much body to it, and it's really no. not for me. Wow. It sold. Over here, quite well, and as like I say, number it. three. But that was all that sold. Their other three singles, whether they even released them over, I don't think they did, because as I say, the album was even a flop over here if it got released. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess they took their number three. Yeah. So, moving on then to the last group for this week, the B-52s. Yeah. So, I've gone for rock with maybe a bit of synth pop in there. Mm. Um, but what a way to end the week what uh -huh. a way to end the week they like to play around with sounds so that's why I've said synth pop because I really think there must be a synthesizer in there for some sort of programming of sounds um, can't believe these sang Love Shack like when you've got Rock Lobster Planet Claire and then you've got Love Shack like they're, they're different, like they're, they're not the same. And then you've got Meet the Flintstones. Like, I'm sorry, it, it, it was like listening to different bands. I don't know, I, I don't get them. Um, but the main guy is really annoying. Like, in the videos, he goes right up to the camera and he makes some odd noises, and he just, I don't know, very don't American, know. then yeah, it's, over the top, yeah. yeah. I like Love Shack. I know Love Shack. Like when I saw. I'll leave it on the radio now. Yeah. But when I saw 
in the list that you gave me and I saw Love Shack, I thought to myself, I was like, is that the song that's now playing in my head? So, because uh, I don't know, like, we get this a lot. I recognise songs. I know the song. No idea. You don't know who it. the hell sings it yet. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So played it and was like, oh, it is somebody's B-52. So I was like, all right, you know, yeah, that's what they're going to be like. I can get down with that. I like Love Shack. Then I saw Meet the Flintstones. I was like, shut up. <laughs> so I checked that it was Meet, Meet the Flintstones from, like, the, the Flintstones. And it was, and I was like, okay, well, they're a bit two different songs, but, you know, at least I like them, I recognise them. The rest of the stuff must be along the same line. No, they're not along the same line. Not at all. Okay. Not at all. But, yeah, you taught me 3Ds, Dad, because these are some odd people. Okay. This is what I mean at the beginning when I said a bit, went a bit downhill towards the week. Ah, so I thought you'd like the B-52s. Well, you will find okay. out. It did go down so. a bit. I, I did say a bit, a bit. Okay. Yeah, you know, okay. not, not a lot. I had high hopes this week for a full house. Okay. And on Sly, obviously, I mean, yeah, Sly Fox, only one song, but I awesome. I do like it. I thought, mm, yeah, it might be if you just go with a song, it could be a... So B-52s with Fred Schneider on vocals, Kate Pearson on vocals, keyboards and synth, Cindy Wilson on vocals, Ricky Wilson on guitar, brother and sister, and Keith Strickland on drums, guitar and keyboards. They were formed, wait for this, in 1976. But it took this long. It's not like they weren't releasing music. Yeah. Yeah, and they were before Series 1, but they didn't have a hit until, until obviously, late on. But, yeah. Or at least, you've got to remember, they may well have in America. Um, They were formed in Athens, Georgia, US. Not Athens in Greece. Um, And they are an art, pop, dance, rock, post-punk, new wave band. So mainly art, pop is probably what their main gender is. Yeah, yeah. They are known for drawing from the 1950s and 1960s rock and roll sound and have been described as having a thrift shop aesthetic sound. Whatever that actually is. I was going to say, do you know what that is? Not really. So they were nominated for three Grammy Awards in 1989 and 1990. They were put forward for Best Pop performed by a duo or group. And in 1992, they were nominated for Best Alternative Music Album. Obviously, they never won any, but they were nominated. They nominated, yep. Uh, Their first single, Rock Lobster, was an underground success selling over 2,000 copies, which obviously when you're in America, where we've already said, obviously... It's hard to make the the Billboard 100 because different states like different types of music. So like your country and Western, your your rap and hip hop and what have you. So it's hard to get a bigger audience to go and, you know, I like country and Western. Why am I going to buy a rap record or, you know, vice versa and that. So it is hard. So when you're not even in the mainstream, I suppose 2000 copies doesn't sound a lot, but I guess... In America, that, that, that is. And as I say, that was, you know, seen as a big success. So 
in January 1985. Now, mind we've said they they uh, formed in seventy six. Oh, no. So yeah. They performed at Brazil's Rock in Rio in front of their largest crowd ever. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? And I think that is where they then hit the, hit the heights. So um, the band actually struggled to write new music for their fourth album um, due to all the bandmates actually lived together in the same house. Oh. So they decided to write songs separately which they found worked better and began began recording in July again in 1985. Okay. However, during recording, Ricky Wilson, who had been suffering from AIDS, um, although none of the band except Keith Strickland knew, um, including his sister, Cindy, mm. um, as he didn't want to distract them and have them worrying or fussing about him, um, and he died from the illness in October 1985, aged 32. Oh, bless him. So by the time the band returned to the studio, Strickland had learned how to play the guitar in Wilson's unique uh, style. Hence, he at the beginning, because he was originally the bass player with uh, Wilson, the, the guitar player. And then, as I said, Strickland was guitar and bass, because obviously he then mm -hmm. took over the guitar as well. Yeah. And he learned it to play it in whatever the unique style that Wilson had. He learned to that. And he then switched permanently to guitar, uh, leaving session musicians to play drums and, and other instruments. Okay. The album, Bouncing Off the Satellites, was then released in September 1986. Bear in mind, they started recording in July 1985. But obviously, with the death of Wilson in nineteen eighty in yeah. October nineteen eighty five, it was put on hold. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, so it's eventually um released in September nineteen eighty six. Um although due to Wilson's death, the band didn't tour or promote the album. Oh, so just which dropped. again in America is you you know, it's a big oh, thing you, you need to tour and because mm. obviously if you're in a country and western main style state you're not going to really listen to any other music unless it's given shown to you or promoted and you yeah. think oh, actually that's right yeah so um yeah. so yeah um so obviously um on the back of obviously after that album was released and obviously as i say they didn't tour um yeah. cindy was devastated obviously by her brother's death and the bandmates were very depressed from ricky's passing uh so they actually began an extended hiatus oh okay so but in 19 really hit them, but when they're all yeah, there, but they're yeah. Obviously... and they were literally off for about a year, go you know, um, or no, two years because it was September 1986 that the um album was released. Mm. Well, it was not until 1988 that the group agreed to try writing together again and oh. released Channel Z from their new album Cosmic Thing. With okay. the single becoming a college a college hit and hitting number one on the U.S. Hot Modern Rock Tracks chart. Okay. Now I don't know how many different charts there are in America, and that's I guess you have different charts for different in again in different yeah. states and that. So that's probably yeah. why. But, but yeah, they got to number one on the modern okay. rock tracks chart. Okay. Uh, their next single. Love Shack 
was released while the group were on their cosmic tour. Oh, my God. So the guy that died... Yeah. Is he the main guy that I've now called annoying? No, no, no. Well, no, I wouldn't have said so. I think that is um, uh, Fred Schneider. Frank Schneider, was it? Uh, Fred Schneider was the vocalist. Uh, Ricky Wilson was the guitar player. Okay, that's fine. Only because, like, in Love Shack... Well, Ricky Wilson was... So I was like... Only because in Love Shack, it's more yeah. the girls singing. Oh, so right, okay. I just thought to myself, I was like, oh, my God, is it him? No, no, no. Fred Schneider, I don't know why he didn't. Um, although in the song, I mean, yeah. There is a bit. Definitely it, the, bloke, the bloke sings in it. Yeah, yeah. he keeps going, hit, well, hit, hit one, hit, hit loud or whatever, bang loud yeah. or whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Um, so Love Shack became the group's first top 40 Billboard Hot 100 hit. Wow. Eventually wow. peaking at number three. See, this was good. matched by their follow-up single, Rome. Yeah. Okay. In Australia, where they had embraced a where, where they had been embraced a decade earlier, so they were more successful in Australia oh. than anywhere else. Wow. Um, because Rock Lobster actually got to number three in Australia, which was their first single. Um, they were number one with Love Shack for mm. eight weeks. But I, it, Love Shack is a good song. Like you said, you still hear it now. I yeah. really know it. So Yeah. But it never got to number one over here, as we know, because we've had yes. the number one. And it never got to number one in America. Not Although getting to number one is, is, is massive, obviously, in America. But, yeah, in Australia, it didn't just get to number one. It stayed there for eight weeks. So they really love the B-52s really in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, in 1994, the band appeared in the movie The Flintstones as the B-C-52s and sang the title song. Mm -hmm. Which is where I know it from. Yeah. In April 2022, the group announced that they were embarking on a final farewell tour between august and november with casey and the sunshine band supporting them no i like casey and the sunshine band but so it's going to start in canada and yeah. tour through the u.s ending in atlanta on sunday the 13th of november this year so that is they're starting it in august and finishing in november and that will then be the end of the B-52s, who have been been yeah, together on and off since 1976. They'd be old. So they had three top 20 singles Over in the here. UK. Yeah. And they had two top 10 albums. So Cosmic Thing, 1989, got to number eight in the album chart. And okay. Good Stuff in 1992 got also to number eight in the album chart. So what oh. about their singles? Yeah, go on. Tell 1979, Rock Lobster got to number 37. It's just now, noise. bearing in mind, in Australia, Rock Lobster got to number three. Yeah, Australians yeah. are weird, is what I'm taking away from this today. Well, Rock Lobster, there's nothing to the song, it's just noise. Okay. Well, in 1986, 
It was re-released as a double A with Planet Claire and got to number 12. Okay, so Planet Claire got to number 12. Do you want me to tell you about Planet Claire? Please do. It's annoying. <laughs> there is a beep, right? No, 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 I kid you not. You've given me art of noise, right? <laughs> and that was purely just noise. So when I started listening to Planet Claire, I was like, great. Great. I knew they had Love Shack, so I went in with high hopes. Planet Claire. There's this beeping noise, and then when I watched the video, it looks like it's a walkie-talkie that he's constantly putting up to the mic. Right. When I was in the car, I skipped it, because I was like, it's like art of noise again. Nah, next. Watched the video. But when I watched the video and I saw where it was coming from, well, then there's another noise that comes after it, because I did listen to a fair bit in my car until I skipped it. There's another noise that came in that was a repetitive noise in your ear. Couldn't finish the song. When I was watching the video, I decided to skip bits into it to see if they ever did sing. They did not start singing until two minutes and 29 seconds into the song. Uh, And was the singing okay? No. Oh. (laughs) Okay. What about Rock Lobster then? Because how did it get to number 12? Was Rock Lobster no good? That was just noise as well. Yes, I gave Rock Lobster a chance. <laughs> with everything you give me a chance. But it was so it was the beeping noise that then I wanted to punch him while I'm watching the video because I could see that he's just bringing this walkie-talkie thing backwards <laughs> and forwards from the mic. And like when you think, oh you think it was I thought it was bad in the car. Like I've said, I watched um the videos through my headphones, straight into your ear. I was sat like can you stop? And then they went on to another repetitive, annoying noise. So I skipped through it and found out they only, like, I was not sitting there for two and a half minutes waiting for them to sing. Hell no. Well, maybe that's why they didn't, didn't weren't successful uh, other than in Australia until um, Love Shack. Like I said, I've learned that Australians are weird. Yeah. Okay. So we go to 1990 now. Oh. With Love Shack. Oh, yeah. Number two. See, I knew it would be like up there. I knew it would be up there. Well, I thought I was listening to a completely different band, not going to lie. But because of the first two longs, Love Shack has gone down in my estimation, you know, because I know we were singing it now. (laughs) Way down. I'm like, nah. I I think every time I listen to Love Shack now, all I think is about Blue and Planet Claire. You guys (laughs) hurt my ears. But I do, but Love Shack was my favourite song out of them. That's a classic song, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And it is a pure nineties song. Yeah, I didn't realise it was a nineties. Well, uh, because it was only the third one in. Uh, I didn't think I'd get nineties that early. Nineteen ninety, uh, uh, Rome. As in, not in the Rome, as in Italy, Rome, but as in Rome, really? as in you roam around. Uh, number seventeen. Okay, well, I like the upbeatness of this. Again, it's a completely different sound from the first two songs. Um, and I did notice it seems to be more of a focus on the women vocalists. There's less of demand. Mm-hmm. So, okay. 1992, sense. Good Stuff. Funny enough, that was their album, wasn't it? That's what yeah. I said. Yeah. Again. Uh, number 21. Okay. It was just a bit too repetitive for me. There's just not much body to the actual song. 
It was mm. repeating the same lyrics again. I'm not really about that. Sure. Know. And in 1994, Meet the Flintstones, which we all know, and obviously it's just a, a jazzed up song of the, the, the cartoon for the film. Um, and it got to number three. Okay, see, I knew that Love Shack and Meet the Flintstones would be up there. Yeah. Um, but of course they did this song. It just suits them, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It, it does. It suits yeah. them so much. And you know, yeah. in their video, they dressed up like the Flintstones. Yeah, well, they were the BC 52. Well, yeah, but I didn't know that at the time, did I? Uh, yeah. And I was like, of course, yeah. That it yeah. suits them. They need to be yeah. in the Flintstones. But yeah. Okay. It, that was a weird way right. to speak, though, listening to the Flintstones. <laughs> Fine. Okay. We move on to the hit or miss of the week. Mm-hmm. How do you think so, you've done? I, uh, I was doing well. I'd, I'd like to think four. Okay. And if I'm honest, I would probably say to you, you've probably got to judge the b-52s on rock lobster and planet claire as they were the 80s songs if you think about if we're being fair okay which obviously is going to be a big (laughs) walkie-talkie miss i don't know what they would have been if you didn't judge them because love shack on its own is is a good song but would it have been enough to uh probably turn probably not i don't know um, okay, House Martins, hit or miss? A massive hit. Loved them. Yeah. Great start to my week, they were. Swing Out Sister. Also a hit. Enjoyed her too. I really liked her her voice. I just, that, I don't know, there was something. And I was, she had the one song where I said, um, it, Surrender. You just can't help but just sit and listen to it and zone out from the world around you. It's, yeah, amazing. Mike and the Mechanics. Another hit. hit. or miss? Huh? Oh, sorry. Another hit. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They yes. had a nice... I think the only one for me that I really didn't like that I would skip out was A Beggar on the Beach of Gold. Uh-huh. But all the others, you know, they've really... I really liked them. Even the one that I said that sounded like a choir. Yeah, yeah The Living it. Years were their biggest hit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Hornsby and the Range. So, I don't know. I've put them as a hit, but they are ones that I will pick out songs. But I did like more of the songs than I didn't. That's why they're a hit but I will pick out and skip and choose if I was to re-listen to them again. Do you know what I mean? Um, just because there was I guess, I guess that I because their music is different, it isn't to everyone's taste. Yeah. And that's proved in the fact that most some of their songs weren't even released over here. And those well, that were, yeah. other than the way it is, didn't do anything. Whereas if you look yeah. at their, their chart in America, which is obviously what I wanted to show you, is the difference. But, yeah. Um, if... Um, if we're being honest, if most of the uh, songs you liked, um, then that that's good. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you I said you didn't like A Night on the Town, but that was actually in the 1990s anyway. So, yeah, so I suppose it's a bit like what I'm saying about the B-52s is would be in the same 
yeah. for, for um, Bruce Hornsby in the range. Yeah. But I will listen to them again. There will just be a couple that I'll probably skip. But because yeah. I, like, so I was unsure. So the first three, I was, while I was listen, like re-listening and writing my notes, straight away, as like on their first song, and I remembered all their others, I wrote hit straight away. Because no. I remember how much I did enjoy them. Whereas Bruce Horns being arranged, I lit, re-listened to all the songs and like kind of had in my head, I was like, right, I liked you, liked you, didn't like you. And I like weighed it up. So I was on the fence. I was sat there like, hmm, when am I going to put them? And as I then counted how many I liked and didn't like, I was like, okay, more of a like. So you've got to be a hit, really. Okay, that's good. Sly Fox, One Hit Wonders. Yeah. You said you will listen to the others, but... I will, and I will let you know if it changes my mind. And not well. I mean, that shouldn't. But I, mean, I don't I know like you're before, one song. You don't even like me. the hit. It's um. Yeah. yeah, so it's a bit hard, isn't it? I'm just not probably yeah. not going to change. But yeah. And finally, the B fifty twos. Yeah, I never want to listen to them again in my life. Especially, like if Planet Claire ever gets played anywhere, I'm gonna have like some sort of PTSD from this episode. That's the most awful song ever. I suppose, I've, I, I mean, I've, I've never listened to it. Obviously, I only know Rock Lob. I mean, I'd, Rock Lob's is okay, but Love Shack is obviously yeah. the name. Well, I will still listen to Love Shack, but, yeah. you know, on a whole, it's not yeah. like I'm going to go out and listen to Meet the Flintstones, is it? No, um, no. And I did like Rome, but they're probably the only two. Like, I did like Meet the Flintstones, but obviously you only listen to that if you're watching it and wouldn't go out of the way to go and play yeah, it. No. Um, so yeah, Planet Claire, that's that's what happened. Okay, are you ready for the announcement or the reveal for next week? Yeah, for you for this week, go for it. Okay, the blow monkeys. Okay, the blow monkeys, curiosity killed the cat. You've spoken about them before. I recognise that name. Big Audio Dynamite. Nope, no idea. Furniture. Burniture, not furniture. Burn. Furniture. Okay. No. It Bites. Nope. And a band that I actually mentioned today, um, obviously um, from Hull, New shoes. Okay, no, not heard of them either. The only one that rings a bell is Curiosity Killed the Cat, but I wouldn't actually know it. I just feel like you've mentioned it on an episode. Oh, yeah, so you've got um, some monkeys, some cats, and some new shoes. You know, because 80s love their weird name choices. Yeah. Sorry, it wasn't new shoes from Hull. I swear I did mention new shoes today, but I can't was it not? see where. But it wasn't to do with the Hull, which is what I thought. So it's obviously oh. somewhere else I mentioned it or come across them, but oh, okay. I don't know where now. I can't see it. But it wasn't it wasn't Hull. Oh, all right. So no, that was um, red guitars, everything but the girl and the gargoyles. Oh, so yeah, yeah not new shoes. <laughs> so um, so no, right. I'm not, okay. not sure where I uh, got new shoes from. I thought I mentioned them today. I think they may have been up for an award, and I mentioned them as 
they were up oh, front like of someone. And yeah, yeah, I think that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so that's who you've got next week. So I will um send over the songs. And I'll and, get um, happy listening. Yeah, thank you. Okay. And we'll speak next week. Yeah. Thank you. All right then. Thanks, Dad. Okay. Bye. Bye.